0: Welcome to Everything But Sports, the podcast where we talk about everything but sports. I'm Tina Hassania. And I'm Mallory Andrews.
1: So we decided that we were just going to record off the cuff. Yeah.
0: As opposed to like all of our our well thought out, planned podcasts. Yes. Well researched, well
1: organized organized, have notes in front of us, or at least a tablet or mm-hmm. phone with relevant information. Yeah. And this time we just have Tiki, who is just roaming around and you can't even see her. So you're just going to randomly hear us laughing for no reason.
0: Yeah. See, seemingly no reason. Being very silly today. Yeah. So. Um, so we haven't podcasted in like a month. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I blame it on my ADHD. Let's just, which fits it's with the theme nice, of the last podcast exactly.
1: It's it's a nice um, little footnote. Uh,
0: and and as we've said, both,
1: we've just both been really busy. lately. Like, it's a busy kind of, like, time
0: of year in general, yeah. both for like um, um uh, personal like it's Christmas time. It's yes. a, just a busy time in general. Also for work because Christmas holidays are coming up, so everybody's like trying to get their. Everything done before the year-end holidays. Yep. Um,
1: and now that we're both on the TSDA,
0: we have to watch a shit ton of movies so that we oh, can. Oh yeah! My God, and, and it's like yeah. triaging like what you think you, you will care about, you will care about, or yeah. you will like enough to yes. um, fight for it in the uh, awards. Yeah. Um, vote and um, and also like there's a couple of things that we've gotten where I'm like I want to watch this for fun. I don't think I'm a, it's gonna win any awards, so I shouldn't watch it. Right. Like what? Um I kinda wanna watch the Lego Batman movie. Okay. <laughs> I like the Lego movie a lot. And I've heard people say that like the little Lego Batman movie is very cute. And I'm just sometimes you're just in the mood to like sit back and just like watch a cute, dumb movie. Yeah. But I just have time. Yeah.
1: Uh, I mean you got the free screener, so
0: Yeah, it's it'll be around. That's nice. Um and there's something oh there's other stuff i'm like i want to rewatch logan for a third time but like (laughs) because i like it and i I love it a lot um i'd love to fight for that one for a like some award yeah me too that's um but also i feel very silly you know what we should join forces i agree do it i think we should give patrick stewart best actor yes (laughs) best supporting
1: best supporting actor
0: that's what i meant yes although that would kick out army hammer for Me by your name true yeah Which would be unfortunate. Yeah. Um, I think another thing is just, like, lack of energy having to do with um, what's been going on in the news lately as well. Yes. Um, Starting with um, the um, Weinstein case, the Harvey Mm -hmm. Weinstein uh, expose that came out, and then it's just, like, after that. It's just been snowballing. Yeah, snowballing. It's just been, like, relentless, and it's both, like, sort of managing feelings of Simultaneous feelings of shock and not that much surprise. Um, uh, dealing with this, um, the emotional and psychological fallout mm-hmm. of um, uh, women talking amongst ourselves about what's yes. been going on and then like watching other people finally sort of catch up to where we've been all this time. Yeah. Uh, women, and that takes an
1: emotional toll. It
0: that does. It's um,
1: That's hard to manage because it's like... Uh, I think, I think for some women at least, um, speaking up about as much as I'm like, like very rah, rah, rah behind the whole, uh, whole notion of speaking up against it. I do think that, um, it's hard for a lot of women because, um, and some men too, because they're, it can trigger a lot of feelings. Yeah. Um, and it can, and it can actually make people, uh, more prone to tune it out Mm-hmm. for their own self-preservation and I kind of have no problem with that.
0: I so, yeah, I agree with that. I have several um um people in my life who have are basically being re-traumatized cuz mm-hmm. what's coming up in the news is reminding them of trauma that has happened to them. Yeah. So it's just it's just constant reminders of this and it's and naturally your brain just kind of wants to shut down rather yes. than engage with it. Yes. Um I think that is very normal and i think everybody yes. has to gauge for themselves what's going to keep them healthy yes um i also i also think
1: that like well the subject matter itself is is difficult for everyone yeah. and i think like i i've had to battle this with myself too where it's like am i wanting to shut it off because i just don't want to think about it mm-hmm. do you know what i mean like yes Like, because it is so difficult to to navigate one's thoughts around it. Yeah. Because it's, it's like, obviously terrible. So um, it's, I think it's something that most people shy away from. So, like, on the one hand, I'm, like, all for the, um, like, increased exposure. Yeah. Um, And unfortunately, that, you know, that increased exposure is not just from people... Having opinions
0: and, and stuff like that, but because there are more cases that keep coming yeah, out, it's which is like, really sad. It's, rather than like but, this having been like sort of an ongoing thing. When somebody behaves badly, it's immediately yeah. called out because we could, at, in the past, trust that when we believed that was not the case for like it's most,
1: for the most, most court of recorded history. history. Yeah, yeah.
0: Um, but now it's like a dam is broke. Yeah, um, and um, I think part of the I found myself not engaging with it a lot on social media to the point where I feel guilty yeah yeah yeah, me too um like if I I post some stupid thing about like oh Rihanna's wearing (laughs) Rihanna's Vogue Paris like photo shoot just came out and I'm like I want to post about this because yeah it makes me happy but it's like maybe we're not in a moment to talk about that right Right, now or like it it just but but i think we're at a moment to talk about anything no that's
1: that's the problem but i think part of
0: what i'm my exhaustion is coming from is that everything that's being talked about in the popular media now about um sexual assault and power and um and and money and how that um uh has upheld the uh um patriarchal structures not just in film and television but like in every anything every industry yes this is something that me and um, women in my community have been talking about forever. Yeah. And then suddenly it's, it's, I'll use an analogy. It might be a clumsy analogy. It's the same feeling that you're, you're walking down the street with a group of people and you're running ahead and you're waiting at the stoplight for everybody to catch up with you. hmm and they're finally in a position to, like, catch up with you. So you're just kind of, like, standing and waiting, like, okay, okay, like, I've been, like, I've been running ahead of you, like, all this time. Now, I, but I can't cross the light without you. Yes. Um, and there's also the added sort of stress and worry, and therefore another factor for why I've so, been so exhausted by all this is the fear that when they do finally catch up with me, they still won't want to cross.
1: Mm-hmm. I see.
0: You know what I mean? I see what you mean. Like, like there's next steps to, to be made. Like, there's... Yeah. like, it, Like, it's... We're in a... We're in a, um, we're in a moment right now where these power imbalances are being revealed and their immediate consequences are being carried through for acts of sexual violence that have been committed... Yes. ...that and we reported. know of. Yes. And reported, that we know of. Right. But steps have yet to be, or or, or things have yet to be put into place to prevent it in the future. Right. And I don't think the threat of being caught is enough of a a deterrent. Yeah, no,
1: I completely agree because if, well, I think, I mean, my, my take on this is that, um, I I think a lot of the feminist discourse around, um, like consent has become such a big thing and it's become such a big cultural change. in terms of having conversations about consent. And I think that younger generations are having these kinds of conversations in ways that, you know, as early as our generation didn't at all. And I think that all of those things are really good. And I think that those things will shore up a lot of, um, a lot of ways in which the kinds of behaviors that are being unearthed right now can maybe not be entirely wiped out or whatever, but can at least um, people can start thinking about, uh, the ways in which men treat women, um, and more than just in terms of sexual assault. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. fr- everything from like a microaggression to something as like clear-cut as rape. You know what I mean?
0: And everything in between. And usually a lot of the stuff is somewhere in between. And I think not just the way so, men treat women, but just like in general the way women are treated, treated because there's also yes. a lot of built-in um, internalized misogyny for yes. the way women are expected to accept certain types of behavior mm-hmm. and then get angry at other women for not also accepting it. Yep. Yep. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And also just the way that we're treated structurally. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like the certain types of roles that we're expected to play, and yeah. So I think um, I think there's been like a, a um, I mean I don't want to I don't want to call it a tidal wave of change because because social change is always slow. Yeah. So um, but I do think that there's been a lot of uh, really positive um, effects from having these kinds of conversations that we've been having long before the Weinstein story broke, which is great. However, I do think that the seriousness of um, sexual assault requires a bit more than just these swift actions of, like, this person's been fired, this person's been suspended. Yeah, it's it's not solving the problem,
0: it's taking care of the situation that's in front of you.
1: Exactly, and it's like, that's great, but what next? Yeah. And that conversation, most people are, like, not having... Um, And I think it's because no one can necessarily imagine what should be next. Mm -hmm. So it makes it as difficult a subject to broach as the subject of sexual assault itself.
0: Yeah, like how do you create, basically, how do you move on? And how do you, like, encourage a culture in which that type of thing is not just, like, found out about, but prevented? Like, it wouldn't even occur to somebody to treat somebody like that. I think and, or, or it would be more, like, or at least it would be, like, such a rarity. Yep. yep. Um Rather than
1: just being something that happens all the time. Mm-hmm. And that no one really talks about and gets away with.
0: Yeah. And that requires, like, a complete overhaul of um, culture and how we engage with it. And mm-hmm. um, part of that is our work in film criticism mm-hmm. and um, engaging in um, feminist film criticism, sort of. And talking about things like you know, how women are represented in this movie and sort of what um, the, talking about the difference between racist characters and a racist film or within a uh, uh, racist characters in a film and a film that has a racist message or sexist characters versus a sexist film yeah. um, <clears throat> and sort of what type of what potential effect that could have on a culture that is like taking in this information Yeah. So, so overwhelmingly large, like the amount of change that will need to happen, mm-hmm. that my brain is already just like, nope, stop, well, shut I, down. I think that like I, I
1: mean, I just don't expect the amount of change that I would ever want to happen no, to ever true. happen in like my lifetime, or like even like three generations. Like I think that um, what always happens with, if you look at historically what happens, is that there will be a huge push. For social change, let's say feminism, right? Mm-hmm. Like we're in this new wave of feminism. Certain things will definitely change for the better. A lot of status quo will be maintained, yeah. Um, and then it will just become acceptable because, mm-hmm. like, it'll somehow fall out of favor. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, t- to- because there, right. because there is there is often a um, a, a fatigue that happens, yeah, right um, or and, and then what happens is that it kind of, like, goes back under for a while. And then in a couple of decades, it'll just come back again. And there will be new and pressing issues or mm-hmm. new ways of looking at something. Yeah. And it'll just happen all over again. Yeah. So, yeah. like, there's always, to me, in my opinion, like, any kind of political change or social change is... I always look at it as a pendulum, mm-hmm. right? And often it has to do with, um, like, what... Activists are doing sort of in an underground way, and how that sort of underground activism and culture, counterculture, becomes more and more and more mainstream and talked about and trendy in a way, and then it just like infiltrates all conversations and then people start actually maybe starting to read about it mm-hmm. and changing their minds I think pretty much everyone I know has had this happen to them yeah. in the last five years I know I definitely have some of the views that I used to hold when I was in my 20s very different from now so like that starts to happen and then I think at some point it just reaches a tipping point mm. um, and then the pendulum starts to swing back the other way and it's not just about the Currents of that it, it can also be um influenced by major world events and like political like uh, administration changes yeah um, um obviously that's a big part of why we are talking about um i think sexual harassment as well like i i mean i don't know like if you try to imagine a parallel universe in which hillary clinton had won like i wonder how this conversation would have gone about sexual harassment and like what ways it might have been better or would it have been as pronounced?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, It's hard to say, right? It is hard to say. Um, Is some of the vigilance about this a response to the fact that we have a, that there is a Trump White House? Exactly. Um, Right. Because it like the, the sort of strength on either side tends to come as a response to a perceived threat on the other side.
1: Yes. I, this is going to sound really reductive, but like, um, like racist Americans couldn't handle the, the idea of a black president, especially winning a second term. And then suddenly, like, I don't know if the actual numbers of, uh, violence against black people went up or if it was just suddenly that we had a spotlight on it for the
0: first time. That's, I suspect maybe a little bit of both. both. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it did seem but in, like. But it's sort of because it's kind of the same with like these like oh so much sexual assault is happening. I was like no, it's been happening forever. It's just yeah. the first time we're having this conversation, conversation. and yeah. taking this seriously. Exactly.
1: There is a uh, sorry. I had to go get my phone. But um, Malcolm Gladwell, who I don't actually like that much. I find his work kind of annoying, to be honest. But anyways, because I some some stopped stuff.
0: watches right twice a day, so <laughs> every <laughs> now and then, Gladwell exactly. Um, He's, He
1: has a, he he has a great podcast um, called, I forget what it's called exactly, but it's like revolutionist history or something like that. Um,
0: People who are listening are screaming at us right now. Yeah. It's called this thing. It's like, well,
1: sorry. I just, I have the shittiest memory of all time. So don't expect me to remember anything ever. I can't even remember the names of my cats. So I'm not going to remember the name of a podcast I listened to (laughs) three times in my life. Um, anyways, but he had this really interesting episode, uh, yeah, revisionist history. There
0: we go. Revisionist, we said revolutionist.
1: Did I? Yeah. That's not a real word. No, no. Revisionist history, that's what I meant. Um, yeah, and, and there is a great episode, um, about this woman who is accepted, this was like, I think in the 18th century or maybe 19th century, uh, of this, uh, woman artist who is accepted into, like. The most prestigious um, art gallery club if you will in England and how like so many people were shocked by it because like only men could be obviously like artists right yeah um, and so he used that as, as an example of like how people start coming around to the idea of something that's really extraordinary in terms of, like, social progress- uh, progression, such as a black president. He, he did relate it to Barack Obama, and how that actually, once you do that, people typically, their um, their subsequent reaction to that is what? She's on the dresser. Oh, God. Okay. Do you want her down? Uh, I'll get her down. Tiki! Tiki! This is going to be very interesting. Recording this podcast at my place now, and then yeah.
0: constantly being with the world's most adventurous cat, who's still discovering yeah. new spots in this apartment. Yeah, she hasn't even like made it to one particular end of. the She's going to go nuts when she discovers that you have a kitchen counter. Oh, I know. And she, her new, her favorite, her last new favorite place at my place was the top of my stove. <sighs> like I would routinely come home, and she'd be like just sitting in a little loaf on top of the stove, not the counter. The Just stove. the stove. Just I think most it was the dangerous like, part. Because it's like the hardest and like it's like a cool yeah, yeah, like yeah. hard surface, That's which totally is her favorite. It, is. Yeah. it seems like cats are drawn
1: to stoves. Like I swear to God, our friend Sophie's um, brother's cat, who mm-hmm. she lives with, also really likes sitting on the stove for oh. some reason. And the first uh, night that I got Augie, I woke up in the middle of the night and he was on the stove. Yeah. I was like, why? Anyways, going back to the same, <laughs> um, which has nothing to do with cats or stoves. Um yeah, so he was just saying how uh it typically causes the reaction of people being like, Well, we gave this woman this thing and uh we allowed her to be part of this club now. So we don't have to do any other social progressive acts again yeah. for like a while because she was the first person in and then they didn't allow another woman artist in this exclusive, you
0: know, gallery for like many many decades yeah it's the perception so, of like if a woman accomplishes anything it's like whoa 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 we're talking about women all the time now let's not yeah. just have women take over exactly um it happens because it's like it's seen as it a threat in, right? right yeah but, I'll, it, but but it's not just um it doesn't just happen with like um women and women's rights but it's also no, it's, i mean we see this at the oscars a lot where it's like 12 years a slave one and then it was like well we're no longer oscar's no longer racist yeah so we solved that issue we solved that issue so don't need to worry about (laughs) oscar's so white anymore and then um i feel like that's going to be i mean it's become a conversation every year and a final conversation as you can hear on our oscar episode from last um winter yes but i feel like with um moonlight winning Mm -hmm. and the like the way it's been placed in conversation with La La Land as like the whitest of white movies that came out that year. And like the entire drama with the best picture announcement. Yes. Um, That's going to come up again. And it's like, okay, did, did Moonlight's Wind actually sort of change the movies that we types of movies that we consider for awards for the better to be more diverse, or is it going to be like, well, we gave it to Moonlight, so we're f- we don't really we can need give to talk it back to like anymore. white movies for yeah, at least I, a few more years. Yes. And and I think that like, which isn't again, I think we brought this up in Oscar, so we don't mean like, no, we should always give it to like a a black movie, <laughs> a black movie, or like a movie with uh, minorities, or like a movie by a woman. Yes. It's like it's just an awareness of patterns and why we fall into certain patterns. Yeah, because the the thing
1: is that like still despite all the progress that's been made, let's say, since 12 Years a Slave, um, it's like, you know, we might have more films, um, let's say, about African Americans, or Mm -hmm. let's say more... Well, I don't think there's really been more films made by, like, directed by women, necessarily. But, I mean, like, let's just say that the, like, racial and gender makeup has, like, improved very slightly. Yeah. So, like, the thing is that the pool of, like, candidates that you have for any of those nominees is still going to be mostly male, mostly, um, you know, white. Mm -hmm. And so, again, we're just working from, like, a pretty uneven, like, 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 we just don't have as many options to
0: begin with. Yeah, it's never going to be, like, a, um... The sample isn't randomized enough. Mm -mm. And it's like, there are going to be plenty of movies that are going to get
1: ignored because they just haven't been talked about with the same... They don't... They haven't received the same kind of buzz that, let's say, Moonlight received. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Um, so, uh, even though there have been tons of movies that have been made, um... Uh, that let's say are made by African Americans that are like feature a lot of them as well. It's like they just don't get talked about because they're not considered prestigious enough. They didn't build up festival buzz, blah, 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 blah. So they just immediately like, so it's like this kind of thing happens every year. It's, it's selective attention. Mm -hmm. And so if suddenly race or if gender becomes the, you know, hot issue of the moment, that definitely plays, um, a role. And I don't want to, I don't want to say that because I don't want to say that that's the only factor because then that just makes it seem like oh we're just we're just choosing this movie yeah because it happens to be directed by a woman because mm-hmm. I really think that's unfair but I do think that that kind of thing actually has a little bit of significance on people's voting patterns yeah. and I think that that should be the case until it becomes normalized that like let's say a woman director is like doesn't affect a person's like you know, uh, unconscious bias anymore.
0: Do you know what I mean? To like, like, well, because one day that should happen. Yeah. One day that should happen. And like, yeah. Or, or when we get to the point where once somebody, like when Catherine Bigelow uh, was getting attention for, what did she win for? The Hurt Locker. The Hurt Locker. Yeah. Like, once we get to the point where it's like, oh, a woman in yeah. the running, like, how amazing in every interview about that with her is about that yeah. specifically. Or, like, how do you feel being a woman uh, in this ca- like in this category who has a good chance of winning? It's like, yeah. once that becomes, like, no longer notable, that's when, like, there's real change. Absolutely. I think we have, you know what, this is feeling very deja vu. I feel like we, we have the exact same thing. Yeah, we did. Yeah. Yeah. Basically like, and, and so to me, I'm,
1: I'm fine with social change because, um, being like a slow moving thing because I'm just sort of like, that's just how humans work. Yeah. Like that's, that's just part of our psychology. That's just the way that our biases work. And, um, I like, I'm, I don't want to, it's not that I don't want to force it. It's that, um, the waves just sort of happen naturally mm-hmm. and I will support and promote anything that I feel really passionate about that has to do with those causes. But, yeah. um, I don't, um, I kind of like, it's It's not that I don't care. It's just sort of like, it's like, to me, there is almost a rhyme or reason to it that I can't seem to affect.
0: Yeah. Do you know what I mean? There's definitely an element of powerlessness that I feel Yeah. like if the wave is, is so, Strong and the current, like so relentless that it just feels like anything I do or say is gonna have very little effect. Yeah. So it's just sort of like taking in information and sort of planning out next steps after that. And part of that is just like self care and like, yeah, which let me, we could have a whole episode about like self care and like the problematics of self care as like a, um, the way it's become like a commodified, oh yeah, um, industry. But like self care in terms of just like emotional, we, we we can do that right now because we don't have a topic yeah, for this. We're podcast. just we're <laughs> swinging it. Um- <laughs> The way self-care has become like, oh, I, I mean, I'm 100% guilty of this. Where I'm just like, oh, yeah. buy myself a new dress because I feel like shit. Self-care. Yes. Self-care. Like, self-care. No, like, like I sl-
1: bought a new lipstick and here's a selfie of me of it uh, like wearing it. That's self-care.
0: Yay. Yeah. yeah. More, but more like self-care in this context is more like not being aware of how much constant anger is detrimental to your overall well-being and your effectiveness as an agent for change.
1: Yeah. And also like your effect on other people too. Yes. Cause uh, I don't, you know, like I, I mean, I, I speak from a place of total privilege when I say that, like, yeah, people should be angry, but I, I also think that anger sort of like can, um, also, like, really drain other people's energies, too. Yes. And that, like, it's Um, not self-sustaining.
0: Anger can easily turn into unfocused anger. Yes. Um, um, I mean, there's a um, movie that's out in the theater right now that's kind of about that, even though I don't think it's a very good movie, Uh, uh, Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri, is about, like, sustained, unfocused anger and how that starts to just, like, affect your life and, like, the consequences for the people around you. Yeah, um but also
1: like changes you too.
0: Yes, change, yeah. And like
1: self-care is um yeah, to me like I don't I like when I get angry, I actually become um like really unhinged and I can see like I can observe myself from afar and be like this is scaring me. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. I don't like the person that I am right now. Like I, this is this is yeah. really really affecting me. So yeah. like but like for some people like Anger is a really powerful like motivating force. Yes. So it you know, it's all kind of down to you as an individual of how it works. But I but my point is just that like no matter what it is, it can only last for so long. Like that kind of energy that you get from anger is um cannot um it's a very, very, very small like uh candle that can be lit. Do you know or fire? Yeah. Like it will Like, go it, out. Burns, like yeah, it burns, burns like so quickly. So um, quickly.
0: I am not a naturally angry person. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not a naturally emotional person in general. Um, you're so lucky. <laughs> I don't know. It can also, it has the opposite effect of sometimes not being entirely in touch with my emotions. Right. To right, the point right. where like, um, like, we're my, we're my, um, in this way, I'm like completely, unlike my mother. my mother, my mother's very in touch with her emotions to the point where she will tell me how I'm feeling before I realize it. Um, and as soon as she's like, "Are you depressed today?" I'm like, "What? No." And then it's like, "Wait, I am."
1: <laughs> um, she just knows you
0: too well, and you probably are like
1: showing some body language things, or like the type ever so bold, slightly different, different like that. that it's like, yeah. "Are you okay?" Yeah, my um, my mom's like that too. Yeah, actually. I think
0: it's just a, maybe it's
1: moms. It might be like some like I hide a lot of things from my parents because my mom just has a tendency to freak out over the smallest thing. Mm. She'll be like you didn't take your supplements today. It's the end of the world. It's like, she just, it's like, mom, like, I think I can go one day without taking things. I don't even really like, it's like, okay. Yeah. Whatever. Anyways, it's like, you didn't take a shower today. It's the end of the world. She just like tears out all of her hair. Um, yeah. So I, I hide a lot of stuff from her and it's like, when I talk to them on FaceTime, it's like within seconds, my mom, if I'm like trying to hide something, and I think I'm a pretty good actor actually, mm-hmm. like uh, most, like my mom will immediately be like, what's wrong? Something's wrong. What's wrong? And I'm like, what? Like <laughs> you, you've only seen... like on your left like eyebrow seconds. is twitching.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> um, yeah. It's really strange. I'm like, it how is, do you know that? Yeah, and like, no, it's fine. Everything's fine, mom. You're just you're just being weird like yeah you're just reading
0: into things too much and secretly i'm like fuck how did you know yeah that will <laughs> happen to me except for it's like i'm not trying to hide something it's just like i literally don't know i'm like feeling a feeling yeah yeah um i yeah Go ahead. but in uh terms of how it relates to like self-care self or just feeling anger now and like how i know that anger is something when I do feel it is something that I need to manage because it will burn me out it's just yeah uh, lately um reading the news and seeing the way that it's affecting people that I care about mm-hmm. it, and it just um it goes along with like the constant low simmering rage that most feminists uh develop over time yeah um it should have added fuel to that and it's like to the point where I'm like I'm fine I'm fine I'm angry and these are things that are worth angry feeling angry about I'm fine and then I'll like I think multiple times in the past couple of weeks, I've like fully lost it on somebody in a situation where like, I normally wouldn't lose my right. temper. Right. Um, and that's always alarming to me. Like I, irrational anger is not a good look on me. Like I don't mm-hmm. do it very well. Mm-hmm. Um, and those are just like moments of like, what is like, because yeah, it seems
1: so out of character for you, too. Yeah,
0: yeah. And it's just like, okay, that wasn't entirely about that thing that I just got yeah, angry about. This right. is, like, more to do with, like, just a general, like, st- underlying rage that I've just been feeling yeah. at all times. Yeah. It's like, okay, what do I do? Right. You can't stay in that place all the time. And yet we're in a situation where there are 100% things worth being angry, angry about. about. Yes. And it's not a matter of, like, just let it go is not right. a solution.
1: No. No, it's not. And so it's hard to reconcile thinking about those things while also preserving your mental health. Like yeah. how do you do that? I don't really have any answers to that. No,
0: not It's just sort of like a day-to-day yeah, yeah and, and management and, and, and like it is, it requires a lot of like mindfulness.
1: Yeah. yep,
0: yeah. Um and self-awareness.
1: And I and I mean like I um I don't want to sound like I'm per- I don't want to. I, I don't want to seem like I'm promoting um, ignorance when I say this, but like we all need breaks from the news. Like, like sexual harassment stuff is kind of like a huge added layer. But even outside of that, I think, um, especially since the Trump presidency
0: um or, to, or managing our sources like i think the problem that a lot of people get into is because their source is social media where it's just like a constant barrage of commentary yes not necessarily not all of it helpful no um and we
1: think that we need to be keeping up on that news yeah. all the time and I, and especially if you work in um in like any kind of media industry, it seems like, oh, well you have to know this stuff. And,
0: and we, we we, like talk about like, oh, got to be a part of the conversation. Yeah. Which a part of that I think is a product of freelance economy. It's like, we're like begging for scraps. So we like need to keep up on every angle whatsoever because part of keeping up on what's going on in the world is potentially an opportunity for work.
1: For work. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I, I can't. I, I personally can't do that. Like, mm-hmm. I just can't. Like, it's just, it just goes against, uh, this is part of the reason why I sucked at, like, in school and things like that. It's like, I'm just going to study whatever I'm drawn to. Yeah. Like, I can't. And so, like, keeping up with news and things like that is not my forte. And um, I really think that I'm happier for it. Like, I definitely keep up with, like, major developments, but I don't know every single detail, and I'm
0: okay with that. So there's a difference between, like, so c- constantly updating twitter and reading the newspaper every day right
1: well i mean even the, true true like you mean even reading stuff through social media versus reading a newspaper or do you mean engaging with it like as in writing your own stuff on social media um, versus reading a newspaper. I, sorry i didn't
0: i think i mean i guess both but like I, for this particular um Comparison. I think just reading, like mm-hmm. just like taking in the the information, cons- the consumption yeah. of news. I mean, I when I um went,
1: like in my last job, um because I worked in a in a communications um like a group, we got all of the um all of the papers. So the Globe, the Post, um, the Star, the Sun, everything, and um and every morning I would uh, flip through the sections that I wanted to read, and uh, that's how I mostly got my news. And it was really refreshing. Like, it it felt so good to be like, this is the Globe and Mail's front section. They've decided that these stories are the most worthy to look at. And I'm going to read them. And you know what? I don't care so much about this one column on the side. I'm Mm going to go to the second and third and fourth pages and read these quickly or just skim through them or, like, really focus my time on this one. And it felt really refreshing to have something curated for me on the basis of, like, this is the absolute most pressing stuff that you really need to know. And mm-hmm. it comes obviously from one organization's perspective on what that is,
0: which is like, and inha- there's and other in- problems in Very problems that, with but- that.
1: But, um, I can tell you this, it, um, it helped me a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and having other papers to compare it to actually was really interesting as well. Um, because obviously all four of those papers do very, very radically different things. So, um, But I, I think that, um, I learned a lot more from like reading the paper that way than constantly having to check social media for real, or like just being like, not even checking, just like having it thrown at me on my phone being like, you know, new allegations against blah, blah, blah. It's like, okay. Um, and, and I, um, I like that, but I I think, what was I going to say? Um, going back to self care. Um, like I'm the opposite of you. I'm a very, very, very emotional person. And I like, I have to deal with a lot of stuff. I have to process a lot of stuff on like a daily basis before I can even function. So like self-care for me is like a daily thing. And when I don't do it, I absolutely see the effects. Um, and, uh, and if anyone out there is listening and feels the same way, it's like, exercising obviously helps mm-hmm. learning yeah. how to meditate really helps um and I've, I've recommended headspace i think in our adhd episode maybe i don't know but headspace is, is a great great awesome way to ease yourself into meditation <clears throat> is an app um, it's an app that you can download and it's by this guy who was a uh, buddhist monk for many many years mm-hmm. and then he came back to
0: is that the one where you work through like levels <laughs> like you're playing a game
1: yeah, it's like you unlock things.
0: Yeah, okay. Yeah. I've definitely... Yeah, I've... um I have headspace. I sometimes use it. Yeah. Um It is, like, a really great, like, way to ease yourself in without it being too, um...
1: Being like, what the fuck am I doing? Yeah. I'm just sitting here. It's,
0: it's like guided meditation without too much handholding.
1: Yeah. It's like the perfect amount of handholding because you start off with a lot of it. And then he slowly backs off more yeah. and more and more as you progress into the levels and you start with just 10 minutes. So it works. The way that it works is it's 30 days long for the foundation course. And until you've finished those first 30 days, you can't see the rest of the content. You cannot access mm-hmm. like, you know, the, um, the meditation guide that he has specifically for anxiety or for creativity or the professional levels where you can like become more and more and more like of a practitioner of Mm -hmm. meditation. Right. So like there's different types of meditation that he has. Um, but for the first 30 days, it's like each 10 days, you're getting a little bit longer. So it starts off with 10 minutes, then it's 15 minutes and then it's 30 minutes. And, um, by the end, it's amazing. Like, it, yeah, I, I mean, I, I've recommended to a lot of people. It's a hard habit, but, um. Like, a, a difficult habit to develop? To develop, but I think when you have guided, and the, the reason why I like him, other than the fact that he has a British accent? It's, yeah, a, it's, it's British such, such a
0: British. soothing voice. And it's just like pleasant has, to listen to. He, he has a
1: very, very good voice. Um, he's very, very calm but he also just has like the perfect like it's not obnoxious there's nothing that that i find really distracting
0: it's not it's um non-denominational what does that mean um not religious yeah oh yeah of course uh that should go without saying well it's like much it's more like the physiological state of yeah um, he of talks he talks your more about rather than like think about god like, yeah
1: like, or like or like um you know, like we're opening your heart chakra or something like that. Um, I've, I've tried numerous types of medica- like guided meditations and he's the most easily accessible one for sure. Um, and he explains things. Like he takes the time mm-hmm. with these cute little cartoons to be like, you're not, like you're probably putting too much effort into it. Yeah. You know, like you have to think of the mind like this. And so I think he clears up a lot of like misconceptions of what meditation really is because i think people look at meditation and go oh that's like that's like some deep like deep end territory like i i have to be ready if i'm like getting into like new there. age shit it's like i'm not into that like either i'm not into that or like maybe one day if yeah. i like really need it and it's like it's really not that big of a deal to take 10 to 20 minutes to sit down and just like take that time for yourself and the, the effects are profound like mm. I haven't, I hadn't been been doing it like regularly for the past month, and I I felt the difference. I really, really did. Um, so, and I mean, again, like if I can do it, and I have ADHD, then clearly you can do it. So um, I recommend it a lot. I started doing more yoga recently, and I feel like there's a huge difference between the two. Um, I like them both. People really complain but- them, but it's like. Oh God! They're so so different. different. They're so different. One is putting you like they they inhabit very different. One
0: requires very active like um like I don't know I don't understand. People often think of yoga as being very like part of it is like cerebral and being mindful, but it's like a very active sort of like aware of like where your body is in space and And also like
1: doing things with your body. Yeah, and allowing your body to breathe in and like. Um, it's a cliche and it sounds so new agey, but it's true. It's like, I I listened to yoga with Adrian on YouTube. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's like, she's like, you know, if we're, if I'm doing something with my left hand, she's like, and breathe into your left hand. yeah. And it's like, I actually can feel my left hand just sort of like, yeah, Yeah. like releasing
0: some tension. It's like, you know, it's almost like, like it's a metaphor. It's like, picture your breath leaving out through your left arm or something and it's just a way to like make your mind tell your arm to stretch a little further well like well
1: the um, connection between your mind and your body mm -hmm. and your mind and your body and your spine like they do allow you to feel and and access more of your like be more in tune with what your body is doing and how it feels and all this kind of stuff and it really puts you at ease i was looking into like the the physiological benefits. One of them is that um, it helps. Supposedly, I don't know if this has been proven with the lymphatic system, which is um, a system in your in your body that helps basically like um, they're kind of like the um, what's the word uh, like the draining ducts in your body, like for toxins basically. So um, you know, anytime that you have new cells that are being turned over or, like, cells are sort of dying, or, like, you know, like, like, free radicals, all the, like, shitty stuff, like, actual things that your body has to like get rid of yeah um it's basically going into the lymphatic system which are these vessels that are all over your body and then they're going off to the right dumping ground so you have them in different places some of them are connected to your spleen so they're going to like specific organs mm-hmm. where they'll be processed and then you'll basically either pee or poo them out um other ones uh, will connect to your armpits and you like actually sweat, sweat them, them out. out yeah so like they're so it's a very complicated system and this is like this is li- like I'm not. This is not pseudoscience. It's legit. Like your body does get rid of toxins, and anytime anyone says anything about getting r- rid of toxins, it's like, like when my- you sweat
0: profusely, like when you have a hangover, it's why you smell like alcohol. Exactly. Yeah.
1: yeah. Like your body is getting rid of like shitty cells that mm-hmm. it doesn't need, that it, that is bad for it, and that can like possibly create like damage if it's if it sticks around. So yoga is supposed to help with that, and I think part of it is the movement. Um, but there are different ways to, to improve, uh, lymphatic circulation. Mm -hmm. But anyways, um, so yoga is great. Meditation is really great. Journaling is really great. Spending time with friends is really great. Spending time in nature is really great. These are all things that I've done that I personally get a lot of value from. And I, and I like, I think that sometimes like you, you almost need to reach a rock bottom of like stress before you start paying attention to how some of these activities might help you. Mm-hmm. It's like, you might like, I remember like when I was constantly going over to your place being like, why well, do I feel so much better when I'm in, in Ronsies? and I'm like, Oh, and then I, it, it took me a few months. I'm like, Oh, there are more trees here. <laughs> like, yeah, my like body the... likes having the extra oxygen from <laughs> the border
0: <laughs> of the Hyde Park.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so, you know, you, yeah, anyways, s- self-care is great. Self-care is so, so, so good for you and so undervalued. And, you know, everyone's self-care is different. Um, and I think that uh, the biggest problem with it is that it's become this, as you were saying, commodified and, like, really image-based. So it's like, I bought this new dress. It's Or I like, bought this new lipstick. It's, it's like an-
0: Instagram hashtag. Yeah, and yeah. it's
1: like, if I take a picture of me meditating or something, that's obviously not as cool or sexy or, like, vibrant yeah. as a new red lipstick, but, um, you know, like, I, I also think that sometimes self-care shouldn't necessarily be easy. Like mm-hmm. there should be
0: a little bit of effort. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's also like eating better. It's yeah, like self-care. If, if it's like, i got to eat more green vegetables. I'm like, that's not fun that sexy. Say, but fun it like sexy. makes you feel better. Yeah, or, like, it's just better for you in the long run. Yeah. Same with, um, uh, I've talked before about managing um, depression with exercise. Yeah. It's also a, for me, it's very effective for um, channeling unfocused anger as well. Mm. Um, call it, uh, I jokingly call it rage running. <laughs> and it's just like I can post my best times when I'm like really like just yep. um, angry and stressed out to the point where I was like, I don't even know where to begin dealing with this. So I'm just going to go for a run. And it's just like flying through the streets and like nothing like i yeah. like my body just doesn't feel any fatigue and it's just like and then when it, it's done like you just like the endorphins kick in it's just like okay like i've dealt with that like energy yeah now i can sort of see it and it's like clears your mind and you can sort of sort of see more clearly like okay how do i begin to like solve any of the problems in front of yes. me yes yeah
1: Yeah. I think that, um, because you are pushing yourself as a result of having that extra energy. And so the endorphin release
0: at the end is even more pronounced as well. Mm -hmm. But it also, it's not like if you've never um, exercised before it, you're not just going to be like, oh, I'm angry. I'm just going to exercise and I'll feel great. It takes some time to work up to that point of feeling good after exercising. When I first got into it, it took me years to like properly get it. it. You just feel like shit. Yeah. 'Cause like your body's like moving. What? It's like, why are you doing this to me yeah. now? We were we were fine we were for fine years. Before. Yeah. <laughs> we were totally fine feeling bloated and yeah. stomach achy after every meal and like having no energy and never wanting yeah. to get out of bed. We were fine like that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: I also find um sleeping, like sleep hygiene has become like a huge thing for me, and that was another thing that I sort of like uh, stopped doing as much for the past month. And I think it's been wreaking havoc on my sleep as well. Um, so like making sure that I turn off all my devices like an hour before bed, mm-hmm. um, and like going to bed around roughly the same time and waking up at roughly the same or, time. Yeah. Keeping really track of things. like
0: any sleep deficit and yeah. making sure that like sleep life visitors is real where it's like, mm-hmm. if you're not getting a lot of sleep and then, and part of this is like the privilege of people who, don't have insomnia yeah or whose yeah, yeah. anxiety doesn't manifest as insomnia yeah. um because all of those things
1: affect sleep quality yeah too. and it's not just about i mean quantity is also a like a, an important thing but quality is important too yeah right like if you are um waking up randomly in the middle of the night that's not good either no and yeah. with, and you don't think that maybe like the, the thing about the, um, the devices, it's, it's not hokey science. It's real science. Like they have proven that, um, the blue light that's emitted from, you know, iPads and, and phones and all that kind of stuff. Um, we don't naturally respond to that light very well. Yeah. So like, um, we see it during the day and then at night, the only kind of light that we've been used to for millennia is orange light or red light, Mm -hmm. which comes from candles and fires and things like that. So those, that type of light actually tells our brain that it's time for sleeping. Yeah. Um, And it's, it's really your, so your eyes are affected in this process as well as something called the pineal gland. So when you're watching like TV at like one in the morning or like on your iPad or whatever, um, all of that blue light, it's hitting your eyes, going back into the back of your eyes and telling your pineal gland, make less melatonin, which is what helps you know that it's time for sleep. Mm-hmm. And when you have less le- uh, melatonin, that's when you have problems sleeping. Yeah. Uh, and it's the same thing that messes up people who have jet lag, for example. So if you've ever been jet lag, you're basically kind of creating like a smaller version of that. Anytime you're, you know, on your phone in bed mm-hmm. being like, I'm going to go to bed now, just five more minutes on Instagram. And then I'm going to go to bed it's like you're probably not going to sleep as well as if you just turned it off an hour before bed, put it in another room, and then gone to bed. Um, and I know I'm sounding like such a mom here, but like <laughs> it's fucking true. And like people don't, people don't think that it's real. But I'd like to just tell you that if you look this up right now, like there is so much science behind mm-hmm. it to the point that like. Um, Device um, manufacturers have started putting in orange lights. So you can put on like a night yeah, mode now. Mode. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's a real thing. Yeah. Anyways, sorry to be so defensive. I just I just like hear myself talking about it, being like, that sounds so stupid. That sounds so non-existent. <laughs> well,
0: so like all these things that I think um, when these technologies first became in vogue, people were like, there were people that were saying that, but it's like, oh no, no, it's probably yeah. not that bad. It's but bad. now it's like yeah. we've had time to live with these devices in our lives yeah. and act, like actual time and money is put into studying them. Like now we have some idea of the long-term effects. Some idea. Yeah. So yeah, but like, but we still don't even have, like, what is the effect idea? on like, I think about this all the time that there are, um, generations in the world now that never lived without technology and devices. Yeah. Like yeah. what effect does that have over an entire lifetime? It's like yeah. literally your brains are being formed while being bombarded with this like, Blue. Light. I can't even imagine, or like,
1: I mean, for
0: sounding like t- tech alarmist Luddites, but it is but like we're talking about. I, yeah. mean,
1: I mean, for me, it's it's huge. Like because I I was like that freak in like you know in elementary school who was on the internet from yeah. the age of ten. So I feel like I've always been very pro technology, and you know? I've always been like, I love it, I love it, I love it. And only in the past like year or two have I been like, you know what? maybe this isn't as all that it's cracked up to be. And I've started to sort of like go on the other side and not in a, like I'm getting rid of everything, but in a like, I'm going to moderate this because it's clearly not making me as happy as it should. And I find that the less that I use it, the better off I am. Mm -hmm. But, um, again, to each their own. Like, I really think that if you are more prone to, um, like mental or mental health or other health related concerns, if that is something that is where you're already sensitive, then these things can make a difference. And sometimes it's about awareness, you know, Mm -hmm. but anyways, I read a book that's really good. If you're interested in how technology, um, makes us addicted, like causes behavioral addictions, like video games. And, you know, I'm sure everyone's heard of world of Warcraft being as addictive as, Crack cocaine, um, and I strongly recommend it. It's and actually there is a pull quote from Malcolm Gladwell on the cover. Uh, no. Full circle, um, and it's called Irresistible: The Rise of Addictive Technology in the Business of Keeping Us Hooked by Adam Alter, and it's really, really fascinating. And when I was reading it, I could not shut up. Yes. Like, you and Callum, like, did you know that Tetris is really addictive? Did you know that Tetris is so addictive that the guy who was coding it, like, couldn't finish coding it in time because he was so addicted to playing it <laughs> while he was making it? <laughs> that, to me, is so entertaining.
0: Does it also talk about the Tetris effect? Of yes. Like seeing it, yeah. I, um... I've had kind of dreams. Uh, not just dreams, like, you just see them, yeah. the blocks like, laying down when you close your eyes. Yeah. Like, I played, like, a fucking ton of tetris when i was in grad school um because it's like a it's like a between like reading 500 pages of something or like writing a report it's just like i just need something that like engages my brain in a way that is not at all related but to it's like, kind of
1: mindless too.
0: yeah yeah not kind of mindless it is mindless it is mindless it's like gauging it and engaging a different part of your brain than what you were what i was doing when i was like working all the time. Yeah. But, yeah, but it was, like, it had the effect of, like, all right, I'm going to go to bed now, like, close my eyes, and I would just, like, see Tetris blocks falling. And it was just, like, this is not at all relaxing because I'm just stressed about getting the blocks in the right place. So,
1: um, I'm just looking up the part about Tetris. Um, uh, so... Yeah, so here's some part that I thought was really interesting. One satisfying feature of the game is the sense that you're building something, that your efforts produce a pleasing tower of colored bricks. You have the chaos coming as random pieces, and your job is to put them in order. But just as you construct the perfect line, it disappears. All that remains is what you failed to complete. Which I think is really interesting, because yeah, like, I think most people, even if you're not a super perfectionist,
0: it's like, you keep get, getting these reminders like, oh crap, I couldn't make a complete line. But it, like, this constant problem solving, I was like, okay, how do I fix this mistake that I've made? Exactly. And, but like, but
1: again, like the, all the positive work that you did, cause obviously it's just like going just away. Disappears. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So you constantly, yeah. You're yeah, not right. even getting rewarded
1: in a yeah. sense, right? Like you're just, you just keep wanting to fix things. Um, yeah. Um, Mikhail Kuligin. Uh, who's a friend of the person who made the game, uh, remembers feeling a strong drive to fix his mistakes. Tetris is a game with a very strong negative motivation. You never see what you have done very well, and your mistakes are seen on the screen, and you always want to correct them. What hits your eyes are your ugly mistakes, and that drives you to fix them all the time. The game allows you the brief thrill of seeing your completed lines flash before they disappear, leaving only your mistakes. So you begin again and try to complete another line as the game speeds up and your fingers are forced to dance across the controls more quickly. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. Anyways, so it's a really good book. It talks a lot about, um, the parts of the brain that are affected by, um, rewards Mm -hmm. and motivation and how behavioral addictions are both different and the same as chemical and substance addictions. So it makes that distinction very clearly, but also explains how like in the brain, It's basically the same thing. It's just, you know, like if you're constantly snorting cocaine, that's going to have physical effects. Mm -hmm. And it's going to also affect your brain on a much stronger level, probably, than, say, becoming addicted to World of Warcraft. But the net losses are maybe not the same, but kind of similar. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? So everyone knows about that story of, like, I think it was a Korean... Um, couple who, like, got so addicted to playing... Um, I don't know if it was World of Warcraft, but it was one of those types of games um, that they let their baby die.
0: You ever heard of that story? That sounds really familiar. Yeah. yeah.
1: Um, And uh, a lot of countries in East Asia actually have a lot of terminology and resources and help around um, internet addiction. Yeah. Because it's such a big phenomenon there. Whereas here, we're not as...
0: Trent tend to not take it as seriously no. or it's like people we tend to regard people who are addicted to the internet as just losers anyway
1: yeah losers or like if, and, it's, and, if and, it's part of and your job like
0: not worth helping right right treating seriously yeah. exactly
1: like i always think of like the the gamer in the film uh gamer where it's just like he's just like this really really overweight guy with like cheese puffs all over his face right yeah um but uh But or it's really useful for your profession. Mm -hmm. Right? Like again, going back to this freelance economy where it's like if you're not if you're not online then you're fucked then you're the loser. Yeah. Right? And I think that's so bogus. Like there's so much more to life than just
0: tweeting things at Trump. Yeah. (laughs) Anyway. (laughs) Uh, how long have we been talking? For like over an hour? Yeah, just about. Okay. Um, then should we wrap up this Freeform episode? Yeah, sure. Um, we promise that our next episode will be a little bit lighter. We are talking about doing something for Christmas, for the holidays. Yes. You've Got Mail? Possibly on the, on the
1: agenda for, um, and we're trying to think of other Christmas movies that are not, which great, what's great about You've Got Mail is that, <laughs> it's like, you could basically bring it up for any kind, because it's like a seasonal film. So yeah, it's a rise. Christmas movie, it's a everything movie, it's a spring
0: movie, yeah. it's a fall movie. It's sort of like if it ends on Christmas, then it's a... You, for It's a Christmas movie for me. Any movie that has a Christmas scene is a Christmas movie. It's a movie. Christmas movie. Um, yeah. That's a controversial stance, I know, but that's how I feel. No, I'm um, totally into it. So we're going to do probably a couple of Christmas movies. You've got male... Because I know it's like one of your favorite
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, American films. Yep. Um and something else similarly just fun fun and um fun but with a lot of stuff to talk about that's like
1: yeah problematic let's say it's like the uh the anti um let's say it's the antidote to reading about uh sexual harassment yeah um, yeah stuff yeah um if you have any suggestions i mean we we've, we've already got a few movies that we're thinking of but mm-hmm. um Yeah, just reply at us on the old twitter.com EBS podcast at EBS podcast at EBS podcast on Twitter and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.